Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Future Is Now podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Nakamura, and I am so glad you guys are joining in today. It's going to be a fun episode. We are just doing a little Q&A session. On my Instagram, I like to do Q&As, and I just thought I'd bring it on to the podcast platform. So if you want to submit a question next time, make sure that you go follow me on Instagram because I just asked, hey, why don't we throw out some questions for me to answer on this podcast? So I got four questions that we're going to go over. I'm excited to talk about them, and then uh, we'll probably incorporate this a little bit more. But um, guys, really exciting announcement coming up on Friday. So I'm actually doing a live stream on YouTube on Friday and announcing some really amazing things that's happening with the ministry, some updates, uh, some things I'm releasing and launching and all these different things. So Friday um, is going to be really important uh, to, to stay tuned for that. I'll probably as well put that on this podcast, obviously, as another episode just to announce, but I'm excited for this ministry. You know, we are preaching truth in a world full of lies, and we're really going to take ground in the social media landscape. We're really going to impact on a global scale in what's happening in this world, and we're really just going to flip the narrative, in my opinion, on, man, social media is so damaging. The internet is so damaging. Everything's so damaging. But man, I just believe that God has given this platform the ability to speak that truth and speak that life into this world. So just announcing some things with that, that's going to be really exciting. And also, um, if you haven't seen, I developed a five-day devotional for all of you guys, and it's all for free. So um, I I just wanted to give a a little resource to you guys to help you in your walk with the Lord. And a lot of questions I get revolve around uh, the Word of God. And so I thought I I would create a five-day devotional for you guys talking about the Bible as our foundation. So there's stories, there's reflection questions, there's scripture for you to read every day for five days of a journey of just kind of uncovering and discovering what God has for us within his word. So if you want that for free, I'm going to link the uh, in the description or the show notes below. Just scroll down and click the link and you'll be able to download that. So I hope that that blesses you. But um, make sure that you download that. Make sure you stay tuned for Friday. But let's just jump into this episode of The Future Is Now. We're going to cover some hot topics and hot questions that you guys are wondering about. Um, I did a Q&A on Instagram and invited everybody to submit questions for me to answer on this podcast. And so we're going to go through four questions that people answered. Um, I, I think that these are great questions. I think that sometimes you're asking the wrong questions or the right questions. And some of these, I think, are the right questions and something that needs to be addressed within the Christian world. So let's just jump into this. The first question that was asked is this, are big churches or small churches better? It's a fair question. And, and you know, this is this is a widely debated topic because, uh, in my opinion, there are certain opinions and, and skepticisms and all of these thoughts on churches big and small. And generally, Christians separate themselves into two categories. Either you're a small church person or you're a big church person. And that's just, you know, whatever that means is, is where people fall into. And, um, man, I just, I just think that there's an answer to this and it might not be a popular answer and I might ruffle some feathers, but, um, at the end of the day, I I think that we shouldn't villainize a church just because of a number. I mean, come on guys, let's, let's just think about this with a logical, critical, uh, thinking perspective of why would a church be bad just because they're big? Why would a church be bad just because they're small? Why would a church be good, bad, etc.? We shouldn't judge on the size, we should judge on the fruit. 
And, and this is in Christian, in, in general, in Christianity, is we should always judge something by the fruit of it. And, and what happens is we can let our criticism become cynicism very fast. And that is not a healthy place to be. And you, uh, you re, uh, listening or watching this might even think, you know, if a big church comes to mind, it's like, oh man, big church, mega churches. And in my opinion, that's not a healthy mindset to have. Because we shouldn't just judge based off of a size. That makes no sense. We should judge the fruit. But what happens is bigger churches are always in the spotlight more, obviously, because they're bigger churches. And people that are enemy of Christianity and hate Christians and hate churches, they're going to find the biggest stories to exploit. And because of that, we see all these huge exploited uh, ministries. And by the way, I'm not defending anything. Like for instance, let's just talk about Hillsong uh, because we all know what we're talking about here. Let's just talk about Hillsong, right? And it's like, man, uh, when you hear about some of the things that are happening, it's it's heartbreaking and it's sad. And I'm it's not I'm not condoning any of that, obviously. But I'm just saying it's easy to hear about the the Hill songs of the world, and it's easy to to listen to the Mars Hill podcast. Which, by the way, you know all of these stories are generally one side and there is truth to it, obviously, but I'm just saying like, be aware when you're listening to things of somebody that hates the church making a documentary about churches. I mean, it's obviously going to be painted in a certain light, but I'm just saying, uh, when we, when we listen to these podcasts, when we watch these documentaries, it's really easy to, to sink into this cynical way of thinking where what happened there is probably happening everywhere. And that's just not, it's not a great mindset to have. Doesn't mean, you know, I'm a part of a church of thousands of members and it's a healthy, thriving church. And of course it's not perfect, but at the end of the day, no church is going to be perfect. You look at the book of Ephesians and Ephesians had several thousand people attending the church of Ephesus. Okay. So the church of Ephesus was a, what, a mega church? Oh, okay. Well, if it's, if it's a mega church, then it must've been a super unhealthy and the pastors must've been exploiting and no. That's just a cynical way of thinking. It's okay to be critical at times, but we can't let criticism become cynicism. So are big churches or small churches better? Um, here's the thing. You can't, that, that's an impossible question to ask without getting more information. And I know small churches that are incredible. I know big churches that are incredible. But we have to get out of this, this cycle of thinking where just because a church is one size means it, it's good or it's bad or it's damaging. And, oh, that's what's bad with the American church and the American church. And, you know, you hear all of these things when it's like, hey, let's just judge something by its fruit. Are people getting developed, discipled? Do people love the Lord? Are they spirit-led? Uh, are they making an impact? Are they being honest and moral and ethical? And do they love the Lord? Yes. Okay, then it doesn't matter if a church is a 500 people or five people or 5,000 people or 50,000 people. It really doesn't matter. What matters is the, the, the fruit of it and the health of it. So are big churches or small churches better? Uh, it's the church, whatever is really being godly and spirit-led and, and abiding by and being obedient to the Lord, that's the better church, in my opinion. Okay. So you can't make decisions um, of is a church good or bad just because of the size. And if you do, then you are in the wrong and you need a heart check. Okay. So let's go on to the second question. How do we know what laws to keep from the Old Testament? That's a great question. So this comes, this, this brings a lot of confusion to people at times. It's like, oh, and a lot of uh, people that argue against Christianity, by the way, and there's a lot of people that will say things and they're just not you know, they're not really educated in scripture and that's so, 
okay. Just don't like try to argue the Bible that way. So people will say, oh, well, you're, you cherry pick scripture and the Old Testament says this. Why don't you still eat meat with blood in it? And why do you do this if the Old Testament, oh, we're going by the Old Testament rules against, you know, let's say abortion and killing the innocent. Well, then why are you doing, you know, all those. So we have to understand something. There's different laws within the Old Testament and there's a reason that, you know, we still follow some and we don't follow others. So the three laws of the Old Testament uh, from God are number one, ceremonial laws. Number two, there are civil laws. And then there's moral laws. Okay. So this is how the laws of God are categorized. So ceremonial laws, we understand as being the laws that basically um, was in ceremony of worship. So because the wages of sin are death in our life and sin separates us from God. Well, luckily we have Jesus now, but guess what? Back then they didn't have Jesus yet die for their sins. So ceremonial laws were put in place because God said, Hey, because of your sin, you're, you're going to die and it's not going to be good for you, but I guess I'll allow you to sacrifice innocent, quote unquote, innocent animal blood to atone for your sins. So what would happen is there would be a high priest and he would go to the Holy of Holy places once a year and he would sacrifice, you know, bulls and, and goats and bears. Oh my, no, he would just sacrifice, you know, animals. And that would be the, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of humanity. For, hey, we, we were sinning this year and we know we're not perfect and we have to atone for that. So here's a sacrifice and they would do that. Now, what happened is after after uh, years, thousands of years, who comes along? Oh, that would be Jesus. And so what Jesus did on the cross is he was the ultimate sacrifice, right? And he was the, the, the forever sacrifice that bridged that gap, that forgave all sins because he was the perfect sacrifice. Now we are now in relationship with God again, and that is restored because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So we no longer need those ceremonial laws. And this was evident because, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, the scripture says that the curtain was torn, that that would separate the high priest and the holy place. And that curtain was torn, signaling to the world that, man, God and humanity's relationship is bridged and restored. So, so we don't have to abide by the ceremonial laws anymore because we had the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus, right? And he was the perfect sacrifice. So because of that, we, there's no longer need for ceremonial laws because Jesus fulfilled the law. That's what scripture tells us, okay? So we don't need that. Then there's governmental laws. Now, governmental laws was meant basically day-to-day -day living of the Israelites to separate themselves from the world because God called his people to be set apart from the world, set apart from the culture, the pagan culture, the pagan ways. And so people looking at uh, the people of God would say, oh yeah, you guys live your lives differently. Yes, because we, are, we serve a different God. We worship a different God. Our lives should look differently. So this was anywhere from like um, agriculture, settlement, disputes, diet, cleanliness, the way that people dressed. It was kind of, you know, all encompassing day-to-day -day living. Now, the specifics of these laws no longer apply because culture is, is wildly different today. I mean, obviously we can't abide by the literal laws back then because society just doesn't operate that way. However, the principles remain the same of those, which is set apart. I mean, that's, that's also in the New Testament. Hey, we are to be set apart. So how do, how do uh, Christians navigate this? Well, they navigate it because we can apply the principles of what was meant to be 
the setting apart factor of the Israelites. So I always talk about tattoos in Leviticus. God said not to get tattoos. And why did he say not to get tattoos? Is because uh, tattoos are inherently bad and ink on the body is bad? Well, no. He said not to get tattoos because back then, pagan culture tattooed their body and it all was symbolic of a, a false god. It all was symbolic of the witchcraft or or sorcery or something of that nature that was obviously opposing an evil. So God said, hey guys, don't tattoo yourselves because people are going to look at your tattoos and they're basically going to think that you're worshiping a pagan god. Now, do people look at a, a Jesus fish tattooed on somebody's arm and say, whoa, you're worshiping a pagan god? No. So that law doesn't apply, but the principle remains the same, which means we aren't to partake in things that culture partakes in that has symbolism or means things that oppose the character and the nature of God. And so that means we aren't to, to partake in, you know, maybe that's you aren't to partake in the party culture. You aren't to partake in in the, the sleeping around and sexual culture of today. Why? Because you are set apart as a Christian and you aren't to partake in that. So that's why we also don't, you know, don't abide by healing crystals and zodiac signs is because all of this is attributed towards a false god in a pagan way of living and something that's not not or contrary to the god that we serve. So we abide by governmental laws in principle, but not identically what was said in the Old Testament. And then finally, there's moral laws, and moral laws are the ones that from the Old Testament we carry to today because it's the nature and it's the will of God. It's the direct nature and will of God. For instance, don't kill innocent people. Yeah, okay. God probably wanted us to continue that because he loved because of the value he places on every person that's why it's like okay yeah that's said in the old testament applies to the new testament don't kill don't steal don't covet right all of these things are the nature of who we are as humanity and sinning and it's it's a direct contradiction to god's nature so because of that we follow the moral laws that's why we follow the laws of for instance homosexuality that bleeds into the New Testament. I mean, it's reaffirmed in the New Testament, obviously, and it's backed up by Paul's teachings. And Jesus pointed back to Genesis talking about homosexuality. But I'm just saying that um, the reason that we take those is because those are moral laws. They go beyond civil and governmental laws, and they go beyond ceremonial. It, that Those are moral laws. So that's how to differentiate, you know, oh, what do we take from the Old Testament? What do we not and apply it to today? And so there is a reason. We don't cherry pick. We don't just pick and choose. We don't just grab a scripture and say, oh, yeah, this says it in the Old Testament and ignore everything else. There's a reason to why we do all of that. Okay, going on to number three. Where are we at? Oh, this podcast is getting a little bit long. I didn't realize I spent so much time on that question. How do I hear when I feel like, or how do I hear God when I feel like he is silent? So let me tell you this. God is never silent. God is never silent. And I say that in today's world, like today, God will never be silent. And I understand, well, in uh, the prophet, you know, Malachi, there was a 400 years of a gap of silence where God talked. Yeah, well, God talked through his prophets then. God talks through the Holy Spirit now. He, and his word is alive and active. So if his word is alive and active, that means, guess what? I open scripture and get, it's speaking to me. God is speaking through his words and, and John and Luke and Acts and Deuteronomy, all of these books of the Bible, God is speaking constantly to us. And I always give this advice when people are like, well, uh, how do I know if, if this is what God wants? Number one, okay, well, is that 
against scripture? Because if it is, then God doesn't want you to do that because God's already said so many things through his word. So we can't bypass the authority of scripture and say, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. Well, the Holy Spirit wouldn't contradict himself. And so if the Holy Spirit didn't say it in the scripture, he didn't say it to you. That's just a feeling that you got and you got it wrong, which is okay. Uh, just, you know, as long as you recognize that it's okay. So um, God is never silent. He is always speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is was given to us. And again, you know, back then in, in Malachi, it's like, hey, guess what? They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. And so, yeah, God could be silent and God could give them the silent treatment, but that's not the case today because we have an intercessor in the Holy Spirit and we can, we can press into him whenever we want and, and ask him and be edified by him, encouraged and convicted and challenged. And he speaks to us every day. So, um, <clears throat> my encouragement to you is, is first go to the word of God, because also sometimes it's not that God isn't speaking. It's that we're not listening or our lives are too loud to hear God. I mean, it's like, oh man, I, I, I just got, I can't hear from God lately and I've been praying, but I just feel like God hasn't been speaking to me. But then it's like, okay, well, you're on Netflix four hours a day and then you're on TikTok six hours a day and then you're out with your friends and then you come home and you watch some more Netflix and then you go to bed and you wake up and you repeat the cycle. Then you go to your job and you're listening to Spotify all day long and, and there's no quiet time for you to go to a secret place and have an intimate moment with God. It's like, well, God's not speaking to me. Well, maybe he is speaking, you're just not listening. Or maybe he is speaking, but your life is too loud for you to hear anything except for the noise that you're, you're manufacturing yourself. So that has to be something that we prioritize. Are we, allow, are we giving God room to speak? Because sometimes we're just talking, 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 and then filling and filling and filling, and this life is so demanding that we're just filling every nanosecond of our lives with busyness and noise and work. And so because of that, God is wanting to speak to us, but he, but he can't because we're not giving him the room to do so. So my encouragement to you is, number one, the Word of God speaks constantly to you. Number two, the Holy Spirit is there always to listen to you. And number three, we recognize and take evaluation of where in your life maybe you're not giving room God to speak and make that room today because he wants to speak to you. God is wanting to speak and he is speaking um, constantly. It's just a matter of if we're listening. And the number four is this. How do I not rush God's timing but also not procrastinate? So how do I not rush God but also not procrastinate? You know, that, that that's a tension that you will probably feel a lot of, okay, I'm waiting on God, but also, you know, what action should I be doing? And I don't want to be lazy and all of this. I'll just say this. Waiting waiting on God is not a passive action, but it's an, an active anticipation. Okay? Waiting on God waiting on God. I know that's like a, a term that we always hear and it's annoying because you're like, what does that even mean? But waiting on God is not an idle action. It's an active anticipation. Any warrior in the world is ready for the battle to come, but he's not just sitting down lazy every day, just waiting. Oh, I wonder when a war is going to come. I wonder when I'm going to have to protect my family and my city. No, he trains every single day because he has to be ready when the time comes. And my encouragement to you is 
waiting on God is not sitting around and, you know, we, we like to, we like to picture everything about God as being butterflies and rainbows in a sense of coziness, which I understand, right? Like God is a God of peace and comfort. He does comfort us. At the same time, we have to understand that life is a battle and life will always be a battle because it is not heaven. This is not our, re- our eternal resting place. This is not where we're meant to be forever. So while we're on earth, it is going to be a battle and a struggle in the spiritual realms because there is a real Satan that is fighting for your soul and there are real demons that are fighting for your soul. And because of that, we're going to be in a constant struggle in this life, especially when we're doing things for God, because who do you think wants to oppose that? Oh yeah, Satan. So waiting on God is is not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs saying, okay, well, one day he's going to call me to be a pastor. And when the day comes, I'm going to start reading the Bible and going to seminary and or man, God called me to be a, I know, you know, hopefully one day I can be a good father and a husband or a wife and a mother. And when that time comes and when I meet somebody, then I'm going to deal with my, men, my, my past struggles. And then I'm going to deal with those issues. No, waiting on God is active anticipation. It's training your body and your mind and your spirit to be ready for the responsibility that God is eventually going to give to you so that when the time comes, you're ready for it and you're not blindsided and overtaken. And uh, the, the, one of the real struggles I think today with, with Christians is we don't actively train ourselves to be ready for the responsibility that God is going to give us, but rather we sit there and we wait and we actually complain and and we're complacent. And then when God wants to give us that responsibility, we're not ready for it and we're not mature and we're not emotionally intelligent. And because of that, it crumbles us. But there's a responsibility that is heavy and ready for for God uh, to do something mighty in your life. But at the same time, are you ready for it? We prepare now for when God calls us. We prepare now for when God calls us. The greatest warriors in history did not train once war was there, but they trained so that when war came, they were ready to defend what was important to them. They were ready to take on that mantle of responsibility. So we had to ask ourselves, are are we ready to take on that mantle of responsibility today? Are we ready to really step into what God has called us to do? Waiting on God is actively preparing yourself so that you're ready. That's what waiting on God is. It's, it's, I, I'm not going to take the opportunity myself. I'm not going to go and force things. I'm actually going to let God open doors. But at the same time, I'm going to prepare myself to be able to walk through those doors when they're opened. That's what uh, waiting on God is. So let me just encourage you, man. If you feel like God has called you some great things, do you also feel like you're prepared for them? Do you also think that you've put in the work and you know the Bible and you know God and you're intimate with the spirit so that you're so that when that time comes, your ego doesn't take over and you don't become a monster and you don't hurt people and you don't, you know, cause catastrophe? Because that's a reality. The reality is that God gives or, or doors are open to people and God wants, you know, people to be in positions. But if they breach that position and they're not ready for it, they actually create devastation where God wanted to create something beautiful. And that's not on God, that's on you. So we have to make sure that we are actively, actively preparing for that. So um, those are the four questions. I, I, I mean, it, it's good. These aren't like really prepared, researched questions, but I just thought I would take some time to to at least build the community that we have here and, and let people, you know, ask questions and, and, and incorporate that type of response. So um, if you enjoyed this, then make sure you go follow me on Instagram and you partake in the next time that I, I, that I open it up for questions. Maybe I'll try and do a little bit uh, of a different format of like more questions and 
shorter answers so we can go through them in a fast way. But uh, I'll start incorporating these a little bit more. I, I enjoyed it. And I hope that you did too. And I hope that you learn a lot. But uh, make sure you guys download that five-day devotional. Make sure that you guys do that today. It'll help you. I promise you it'll encourage you in your walk and understanding uh, how important God's word is in our lives and how important it should be. Um, but besides that, I love you guys. Thank you for supporting. Make sure you leave a review for the podcast. And I'll see you next time on The Future Is Now.